This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am just so grateful you're here today. Seriously, I am grateful, thankful, and honored that you are spending this hour with myself and my guest. So the guest, today you're listening to episode 354. How in the world have we recorded that many episodes? Well, I guess it's been five years, so that's how. Uh, Today's guest is Grace Barnett. Grace runs with the Mammoth Track Club. She joined that in August of 2018, coached by Andrew Castor, and she's also a STEM lab teacher for elementary school. So in this episode, we hear a lot about what it's like to live in Mammoth and train with Andrew and the team and be close with Dina Castor. How amazing would that be to start out your professional running career and be coached and mentored by Andrew Castor and Dina Castor? What a cool experience. Um, Grace was seventh place at the Olympic trials this summer in the 1500, which was pretty darn impressive. She had a chance to make the team after an impressive summer of racing. She ran a 405 in the final, which is her PR. Grace was an all American runner in college in cross country in the indoor mile and in the distance medley relay. So she was a three time all American. In November, the weekend of the New York City Marathon, she placed second at the USATF 5K Championships. So we actually recorded this pretty fresh off that race. Grace is for sure one to be watching, and if you would like to follow along with what she's up to, find her on Instagram. She is GracieB53. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a quick rating and review. You know I say it every week for the 2022 calendar year, once a month, once a month, we're going to be picking someone to give a pair of Gooder sunglasses away to. So for every rating and review, we're going to check out all the ratings and reviews, the new ones we get each month and pick one person to give a pair of Gooder shades to. So hopefully that's an incentive for you, right? If you do leave a rating and review, Uh, Make sure you leave your Instagram name or something like that on your review so we can find you. Or better yet, you can just email my production assistant, Emma, emma at sandyboyproductions.com. And every month we'll tally up the new ratings and reviews and we'll give one winner a pair of Gooder Shades. Now, speaking of Gooder Shades, are you wearing them yet? This is my favorite brand of sunglasses. They are affordable They're functional and they have like the funnest colors ever. They have super fun, loud colors and designs. I love to race, you know, because I race so often. But when I did race and when I will race again, the red shades were like my signature thing. So go pick out a signature color and make that your color. Like this is what I wear when I race. Um, They also have really classic styles too. I love the runway shades. I love the aviator styles, the black and the brown, just super simple. Uh, you can save when you go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another one five. That's another 15 
for 15% off your order. All right, friends. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Grace Barnett. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Grace Barnett on the show. Welcome to the show, Grace. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on second place at the 5K Championships. Thank you. How are you feeling? It was really exciting. I was really happy. It was a great opportunity and just really glad I was able to be a part of the event. What was that like being in New York City for a marathon weekend? You get to run your own race. You get to run the 5K. You did had a great race. And then you just get to like enjoy the marathon. Yeah, I was a little bummed. I couldn't stay for the marathon oh, itself. No. Yeah, um, just the travel day. I had work on Monday, so I really had to leave Sunday morning. Um, so, But there was still the atmosphere of it. And when I got on the subway on Sunday morning, there was people with their marathon bags going to the start line. And so the whole atmosphere was, was really amazing. And getting to run part of the course was really, really awesome. Yeah. I mean, talk about balancing being a professional runner and like real life work situation. You're like, got to go back and teach on Monday, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, it's all good. I wished I could have stayed for just a couple more hours, but yeah. I was still really happy to, for the opportunity. Well, it's a late start time, late ish start time as well. I guess most major marathons are. And um, you know, they start all the way out in Staten Island. So like, even if you were downtown, it would take a little while before you could even see people in the city. Totally. Yeah. So tell us about your job as a teacher and kind of balancing that with running professionally. Well, I always feel like I have to preface it because I'm a part-time teacher. Oh, you are? Okay. It works really well. So I teach STEM. So it's science, technology, engineering, math. Um, to grades three, four, and five. And so that's an elective rotation for them. So I feel like when I was in elementary school, we did art and PE and those kind of things. And they still do some of that, but it's now STEM. So Um, so my kids go from art, PE, and library. And, or sorry, STEM, PE, and library. I'm getting my own job mixed up. Those are their electives. Yes. STEM, PE, and library. Yes. So we we're in a small town. So I, you know, I actually teach probably I teach all the third, fourth and fifth graders and I see all the second graders once a week. Um, so it's from about 1030 to three ish. And just I really enjoy it. So to me, it's not super challenging. The hardest part sometimes is just getting from workout to standing up in the classroom. But other than that, it, it's a pretty good balance. That does sound like a perfect balance. You're getting you're getting both of your loves in, in, you know, like your love for teaching and your love for running in. Do you do like, you know, I know a lot of professional runners like to get up and do their hard workouts like a little bit later in the day, like not first thing in the morning. But I'm assuming you probably have to prioritize that and get it done a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, sometimes on the weekends, we'll, we'll start around nine. Um, and easy runs, I can usually squeeze it in a little bit, a little bit later. And when it starts to get cold and we have to get on the track, there's certain days where we'll, we'll do the track workout after school just because it it gets pretty cold here and, um, it's a little better (laughs) to be sprinting at three o'clock than, uh, eight in the morning, I guess. So. Okay. So you live in Mammoth, which, you know, I've had Dina and Andrew both on the podcast. So I've heard a little bit about like 
the beautiful town that it is. And you kind of mentioned it's a smaller town. So tell us about how you decided to move there and what it's like living there. So I decided in my fifth, I stayed a fifth year at college and I wanted to continue running and I wasn't sure kind of where that, where that would go. And I had just recently read Dina's book, um, Let Your Mind Run. And so I reached out to Coach Caster um, and visited a few teams and really felt like Mammoth was the best fit. Yeah. I So talk to me about finding Dina's book because when Dina's book came out, what year was that? That was like, must have been 2017? I think that sounds right. Yeah. I remember, I mean, because since that book has come out, so many people just like rave about it. It's one of the best running books I've ever read for sure. But you're, you were pretty young when you read it. Like how, how up to speed were you on like the distance running scene in regards to like knowing who Dina Castor is and, you know, following the sport because she's like quite a bit older than you? Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't think I really knew much about professional running until, you know, maybe as a sophomore in college, Jenny Simpson was, you know, my idol. And, but I, growing up, I didn't grow up in a runner family or anything like that. So I, um, I was just kind of my bubble of high school runners. And, um, so yeah, I didn't really know much about Dina and how'd you stumble on the book? Much about the marathon. I don't remember, honestly, I maybe, heard about it in a podcast or maybe even just Amazon. I can't really remember, uh-huh. but I was going through a pretty challenging time in terms of joining the sport. And I kind of had this false idea that the best runners were, you know, the most disciplined. And if you were having too much fun or, um, you know, if you weren't constantly almost like punishing yourself, like you couldn't be a good runner. And then I read Dina's book and I was like, well, she's the best of all time. She didn't do that. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. um, And so I think that, yeah. And I think that moving forward that that was probably the most important thing for me was that if I was going to continue running, I really needed to find a balance of how to do it happily Mm -hmm. because I realized I was like, I think I could be a better runner, but I am not going to spend the next, you know, however many years of my life sacrificing being happy um, in order just to become a better runner. That's so, so great that you also realized that so early on in your career, right? Like, I think that a lot of people are stressed out as college athletes. Like, that's got to be really hard to balance running at that high of a level and then also balancing your studies and then at some point wondering, am I going to try to go pro? Tell me in college when you decided, like, I might try to go pro and talk about reaching out to Andrew Castor and and figuring all that out. Yeah, so I don't know exactly when I had that switch. I was I was actually a walk on and had kind of a big breakthrough my sophomore year, um, and then was really progressing, um, especially in the mile. Was really cutting down my times every year by a good margin, but also struggled with injury a lot. Um, I probably had I think I ended up having two or three stress fractures by, by the end of my fifth year. Um, and so really I didn't start the process of reaching out to coaches until after NCAAs my fifth year. And I visited a few teams and, um, and Andrew brought me out here and 
so once I once I visited here, I was I was pretty sure it's what I wanted to do. The other teams I visited were um, Atlanta Track Club and New York, New Jersey, and I realized really quickly that I'm a small town girl. <laughs> I think I was like driving around with one of the girls trying to find a parallel parking spot, and I was like, I don't think I can do this. No. Um, so and then I came to Mammoth, and you know, town is like four square or yeah, I think it's four square miles or something like that. Like I do my double, and it's like I can cover all of town. And so I, I just, I grew up in a small town. I went to college in a college town and I realized that's kind of what is my best fit or definitely was at, at that point in time. I mean, also talk about picking a beautiful, beautiful place to live. I mean, no shade to Atlanta or New Jersey, but come on. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. I really had never vacationed or anything like like Mammoth, I grew up at the beach in South Carolina, so just totally opposite. Oh, you did. Where in South Carolina did you grow up? Um, Polly's Island. It's you grew kind of up in Polly's Island. I've vacationed yeah. there before. <laughs> oh, really? Where Where did you stay? I don't even remember. I went. It, it was like my sophomore year of college. I actually went with like a old boyfriend's family to Polly's okay. Island. Yeah, and it was so fun. But you know, when you go places like that, I don't imagine like people living there. Yeah. So did you grow yeah, up like living on the beach? Um, I'm really lucky. Yeah, my my family grew up maybe. I mean, my parents are still in the same house. It's like two blocks from the beach. Really? Um, yeah. That's so, so cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, I really lucky, really blessed. It was a great place to grow up, and um, I. But you kind of are. I guess I was a, a little bit in a bubble. Like I didn't really know much about the rest of the world in in a lot of ways. And, um, we, it wasn't like my parents would always joke that we never went on vacation because they would say, well, you grew up on vacation. So, <laughs> so we don't need to go somewhere. Right. I wonder, I'm so curious like about your, because we just moved to North Carolina from Indiana, not in a beach town. We live okay. in Raleigh, but like part of moving here for our fam, my, like my husband and myself and my kids was like, we wanted easier access to go to the beach and things like that. So that like vacation didn't have to feel like this big like got to get on an airplane got to drive 12 hours like all these things yeah. so I'm so curious like did you were your parents born and raised there or did they like decide like we want to live in a vacation a place that feels like vacation yeah both my parents I was actually born in Philadelphia and that's where both my parents they grew up in suburbs of Philadelphia um and I think my dad was hoping to kind of get into like the golf industry, which is huge in that area. Mm -hmm. And that really didn't end up happening. He, I think when I moved there, he was a bartender and then, um, my parents, um, grew their own business in home improvement and, and construction. And so, um, so that's what they've done most of my life. But yeah, I think that, they, I don't think either of them really like the cold very much. And so that might have been a factor. And yeah, so we just, we've lived there ever since. They've been in the same house for 20 years. <laughs> and But yeah, so it was really amazing growing up at the beach. And we never felt, I, or at least I never felt sick of it, which I felt like some people I grew up with, like, would say they didn't like going to the beach. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Did you like grow up? Did you like surf or like, did you grow up like doing anything? Like, were you in the water all the time? Um, I attempted to surf. I had a surfboard. 
I was not very good at it and the waves are pretty small. Yeah. Um, which isn't actually a really good excuse because there was like a couple of kids in my neighborhood who would go to these like competitions in Hawaii and do really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I just wasn't coordinated. Um, but yeah, we, we were in the water a lot, but also it makes you kind of a baby because we're so spoiled with the warm water. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really like to swim in the ocean unless it's like 75 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Now living in California, like the water's never that warm. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that was that was really nice. And then um, you know, once I got older, I would always incorporate the beach as like a bit of my run. I didn't like running on the beach mm-hmm. for like a long period of time, but I could always, you know, put do a mile on the beach probably. And um, you know, there's not dog leash laws, so our dog could just go and run. And yeah, um, so yeah, we definitely we were there a lot. <laughs> Um, I, whenever we go to the beach, I, I always like to do my run and then like finish the last mile on the beach just to like, it's like, I might right by the ocean. There's no reason not to get a little bit, but you don't, I don't want to do the whole thing on the ocean. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, a straight line and it's soft. So sometimes it's too soft. I mean, if the tide's perfect, like I will run four or five miles if it's, if it's like perfect conditions. Yeah. If it's less than perfect, a mile is my limit. (laughs) Okay, so Polly's Island then, um, you come coming from a small town, was your high school like small like the high school you teach at now at Mammoth? Yeah, so Mammoth's probably a little bit smaller, but mine was still small. I, I graduated, I think, with maybe 130 kids, so they're pretty small. Hey, everybody, a quick break here to let you know about ZocDoc. Has this ever happened to you? You need a doctor? You search and find one that looks good. You wait on hold to book an appointment. You rearrange your schedule. And when you finally go in, you find out that this doctor doesn't even take your insurance. So frustrating. But there is a solution, and that's ZocDoc. Just download the free ZocDoc app, and that's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash another and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash another. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Grace. Okay, so then what did that look like walking on? It's pretty remarkable that you were a walk-on at Clemson and then you end up like running pro. You know, I feel like when you walk on to a program, you're thinking, okay, I might fight tooth and nail to try to be top five or whatever, but then turning out to become an All-American and then running pro, did you have those dreams at all? Or were you just like, I'm going to walk on and work hard? Yeah, I think it was more the latter. I don't, I never really understood running outside of the lens of South Carolina running. Yeah. So, and I didn't know there was a, such a thing as a high school nationals. I never heard of Foot Locker. That was just that, even that side of running wasn't part of my radar. Um, so I was really, um, I was really adamant, probably as a junior in high school, that I wanted to run in college, but I didn't really know what that would look like. And reaching out, um, I had a lot of schools that told me I wasn't fast enough even to walk on, which, um, wow. you know, that's, you don't want to hear that. But, um, I remember visiting at Clemson and the coach there at the time, um, 
was telling me these stories of these girls who were walk-ons and ended up becoming All-American. And when he told me that, I was pretty much sold. And he told me I had a spot on the team. And I thought that was so cool to think about. Um, and my, I do remember my neighbor was a, a college basketball coach. He coached at USC in South Carolina. And he had mentioned one time, like, offhandedly that walk-ons could improve and then earn a full scholarship and I was like oh really <laughs> like you can earn that and I thought that was really cool um but it was also the most affordable option mm. to go to a you know a public in-state school which really there's only a few in South Carolina so I would say yeah I just I really idolized like the great great South Carolina runners and who were they so I was um well the funniest story was so Evie Tate is she was um like the 4A which was like the large school she was I think state champion or state runner up and I think I don't remember what maybe she broke 18 minutes or something like that which to me was like so amazing yeah and I so when I found out we were gonna be teammates I was so excited and you know I did the whole Facebook stalk and <laughs> <laughs> then the funniest the funniest part though was um then the summer before, so I'd already committed to walking on. I'm working at the grocery store. <laughs> I was a cashier at Piggly Wiggly, and <laughs> she she came in my line. She was on vacation, Polly's Island, and my jaw literally dropped. <laughs> and I was like, and I sat, and her dad was like, oh, do you guys know each other? And I go, you're Evie Tate. We're going to be teammates at Clemson. And I was so over the moon. Um, and it just, it's so funny. She ended up... Um, She's one of my best friends now. We lived uh, together for three years. Oh, my and gosh. She's going to be a, a bridesmaid at my wedding. And so it was just really funny. But, uh, yeah, I was a major fangirl. So I still am a little bit. But. Was she already there or is she in the same grade as you? She's the same age. Okay. So she was also she was also going to be a freshman. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> that is such a great story. Um, Evie Tate, is she running still? Um, yeah, she, she's a PT in Montana and she has kind of moved into like the trail and ultra running. Okay. I don't, re don't really understand how they do that, but yep. it's amazing. <laughs> um, she's incredible. <laughs> so interesting that you two South Carolina ladies moved over to like the mountains and California <laughs> so far from home. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, maybe that influenced me a little bit, um, because she didn't take a fifth year. She, she moved to Montana after our senior year. And so, I don't know, maybe that deep down gave me a little bit of courage that I, I could do it too. Is it hard being away from your family? Yeah, at times. You know, I guess we're living in a day and age where I'm probably, I still get to see them twice a year. And actually, my dad came to New York City, which was really fun. Um, so he could see some of his siblings as well. But yeah, I feel like with training and everything, it, you do have some of those challenges of getting to go home mm -hmm. very frequently anyway. So I still see them at Christmas and in the summer. So that's really nice, but it can be hard. So now that you, um, you're engaged, mm -hmm. where is your fiance's family from? His family is also from South Carolina. Oh, um, that's but nice. kind of more in state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice for when you travel back home because you probably can make it a point to see both families. Definitely. What's the distance between his family and yours like? I think it's about four hours. Oh, okay. Well, so, it's still, still a bit yeah. of a hike. You got to do a little bit of a state tour. Yeah. It's it's nice that, that it is drivable. So we talk about, you know, in the future, 
like Christmas especially is one where you can really spend time with both families, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah, you have time. Yeah, we're going home for to Indiana for Christmas, and it's like our my family and my husband's family live three hours away. So we're and then we our friends because we live okay. in the city are in the middle. So we're like gonna do oh. like a total state kind of like state tour <laughs> again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. So talk to us about when you and your fiance met because I know that's a fun story. <laughs> yes, we met in line at Panera the day before Cross Country Nationals. <laughs> okay, what year um, was that? Actually, like what grade were you? That in? was 2016. It was I was a senior. It was the only year I went at, to Nationals and so it was 5 years ago today we met actually. Oh, today, this day. Um, to yes, down to the day. That's awesome. <laughs> um so yeah, we were both in line at Panera and I went I was there as an individual. Um he was there with his team and Going to Cross Country Nationals as individual can be really lonely at times. I bet. Because I just remember being um, in line at Panera and there was like six teams that were all eating lunch there. because it was, lunch, it was lunchtime and we were in Terre Haute, so there was like not very options, very many options. And so, yeah, I was just super intimidated in ways and um, he was behind me in line and I think his team along with my coach and trainer had gone to Chili's and I didn't want to eat. I think I got food poisoning at Chili's when I was um, like seven. So I have like never again really have it against Chili's was definitely not going there the day before nationals. No way. But um, uh, yeah, so he, one of his high school teammates had ran at Clemson and that was kind of how he started the conversation. Um, and yeah, so we just met and then I, we reconnected maybe March or April of that year. And I was kind of really going through a hard time. I just um, had another stress fracture and he had also been injured, but kind of pulled things together and made it to nationals. And he did as well, which his was really, he was really incredible, um, was ranked maybe like 20 or 30th in the region and ended up coming in third at regionals. Oh, wow. And I just remember like watching um, <laughs> the flash results because I was um, I had rounds for the 1500 and so I was back at the hotel getting treatment or something and I remember the flash results crashed and I was like really upset and then I, then I was laughing at myself I was like why do you care like you've only met this guy once and then he qualified and then I qualified the next day and so um, he's in he was at the Naval Academy and um, went to the Marine or joined the Marines afterwards. Oh, okay. And so I knew, so we had been talking for a long time. So I kind of knew at that point that after he um, graduated, he'd be going to basic training. And I kind of figured at that point, I was like, well, we're probably never going to see each other again. So um, I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't have much stock in it when we went on that first day to nationals, but um here we are <laughs> getting married five years later. So. Yeah. What does that look like with him being a Marine now? What, has he been overseas? Mm -hmm. Is he going overseas? He's going overseas in May. So we're getting, we kind of planned it that we would get married before his deployment. Um, but he's stationed in San Diego, um, which is really nice for being able to see each other a lot more now. How far are um, you from San Diego? Um, six hours, so it's oh, not that close. Yeah. But, but it's closer. An easy, easy airplane ride. When you're in Mammoth, what do you, what airport do you fly out of? So normally Reno or LA. Um, okay. So yeah, LA is like a five hour drive, which 
it's kind of funny to say. That's like, how far from the airport you are? <laughs> Five hours? <laughs> but in the winter, I don't like driving or flying out of Reno because I really hate driving the snow still. Yeah. And if it's snowy from here to Reno, it's like it could be snowy the whole time. Where if it's if it snows in Mammoth, you really only have to drive 30 minutes and you're out of it going south. So I would prefer an extra hour drive than be in the snow. So Reno uh, for three th- hours. Reno is how many is three hours. Reno's three. Yeah. Reno's three and LA is probably closer to four and a half, but then like traffic, you know, you have to factor in. Um, wow. So- I feel really spoiled. I'm like complaining that there's not one direct flight from Raleigh to Indy, but I could just drive to Charlotte two hours and get a direct flight. <laughs> well, we are having some seasonal flights. Okay. So I'm really excited. There's this like it's called Advanced Airlines. It's like this private, semi-private airline that is um, flying out of Mammoth Lakes. So oh. going home. So for Christmas, this is like my ideal situation. I'm flying from Mammoth Lakes to Carlsbad. And then the next day, I'm flying from San Diego to um, Myrtle Beach. So Okay. Oh, that's nice. That so that right. that flight, it was like, I was like, gas is so expensive. I did the math. And I was like, honestly, I don't think, I think I'm actually spending the same amount of money doing this flight that I am driving my yeah. car. So, because yeah. um, gas is, I think, I, it was five thirty nine last wow. night. Wow, let's get gas. Like it's it's That's really insane. bad. <laughs> it's so bad, especially if you're in the Carolinas. You know, like it's it's usually really good there. Like I think the last time I was home, it was under two dollars. Yeah, I think it's like I think it might be three something, but low threes right now. That's insane. <sighs> oh my gosh, it's crazy. So, how do you feel about that? Like getting married in April and then him going off to deployment. Do you, do you guys know how long he'll be gone? Um, he'll be gone for six months. Um, and he's wow. going to Okinawa, Japan, which is a, it's a really nice place. So, um, yeah, I think we both, we've known he was going to get deployed for a long time. And it was just kind of when we were talking about it, deciding whether we wanted to do it before or after. And I think regardless, it would have been hard whether we were married or not yet. So, um, yeah, so it's, it just is what it is. Yeah. But. Well, you, you have, you know, your training and your teaching to keep you busy. I always find that when I'm in a stressful season of life or whatever you want to call it, maybe you don't feel it's stressful, but just like harder. Um, if I have lots of things to keep myself busy, that really helps. Totally. And in the summer is nice because, you know, just racing a lot, hopefully, and um, getting to travel more and stuff. So, um, yeah, and I would love to go visit him. So we'll see if that, oh, if cool. that can happen. So. That would be yeah. awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Have you ever been to Japan? No. <laughs> but we had a training. We have a, a girl who Andrew coaches um, who lives in Tokyo. And so she comes to Mammoth a couple times a year and her sister just got married in Okinawa. So, um, so I, I get to hear things from her. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I've only been out of the country once. So, okay. So let's talk about your fifth year at, in college. Cause you walked on and then you, you talked about being told you could earn a scholarship. So when did mm-hmm. that happen? Did that happen? Yeah, so I I earned a partial scholarship after my freshman year. Okay. And then um that fifth year, um, I kind of went to my to the head coach and I really hate asking for things, but but I was on a lot of state money and academic scholarship, which only lasts four years. And so 
um, I had to go to him and I really couldn't afford to stay the fifth year if I didn't have more scholarship. And so he was really generous and helped me and um, was that head coach was, he really believed in me from, from the first week. And so I really, really grateful for everything he did for me. Um, who did you have to get like a pep talk from your parents or anybody to say like, go ask like you, cause I mean, people don't mm. ask, people aren't going to just give if you don't ask. And I mean, that's just like a lesson you have to learn in life. A lot of times, like, you know, every little thing you do, you could probably always ask for a little bit more than, than you feel comfortable asking. And, and the chances are you might get it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have asked until I really needed it. Like, like I have, I I have to have little, this money. It was a little frowned upon to ask for money. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, as a freshman, like, some people on my team told me I should ask for money. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not asking for anything. It's embarrassing. But, um, like, it's, I don't know why it's, like, a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think I just kind of knew at that point that in order to stay the fifth year, I, I, I really – I needed it. And – um. So, yeah, it's, he was, but he was really helpful. And, um, I kind of had a unique situation as an education major. Um, you do your student teaching the spring of your senior year, but you can only miss, I think you only get one excused absence for like the whole semester. And I was like, I went to them. I was like, that is one track meet. I was like, I'm gone every single weekend. And so the, my advisor was my also my math problem solving teacher and he was like it's just like a problem in class and was so great so I started my master's the spring of my my senior year and then before I graduated and then I did my student teaching the fall of my fifth year so at that point I actually I really had to take a fifth year because I had not done my student teaching mm-hmm. um but I didn't have cross-country eligibility for my fifth year mm-hmm. so I did that um and just really had Clemson really had so many amazing people helping me make that make that happen. So do you think staying for your fifth year was a big part of being able to go pro? It's hard to say. My fifth year wasn't was definitely not my most successful year. Um, I, I definitely struggled. I, it was probably one of my slower years mm-hmm. and I, I was I got hurt and I struggled a lot. So, yeah, I don't know if I would say that necessarily. Um, I really barely lowered any times mm. my fifth year, except maybe my 800 got a little faster, um, and my 15, maybe a second faster, but, um, I think my senior year was actually probably a little bit more successful. Hey everybody, a quick break here. Listen, come run the Donna marathon with me. I'm doing the half marathon It is the weekend of February 6th in Jacksonville, Florida, starts and finishes on the beach. It is a wonderful weekend where we come together to support the Donna Foundation, which helps people walking through a breast cancer diagnosis. The Donna Foundation also supports groundbreaking research. This is an incredible organization I've had the opportunity to work with for years. We are going to have a super fun meetup on Saturday, February 5th, around lunchtime in Jacksonville. So anybody who's down there in town for the race, the actual half marathon and marathon is Sunday, February 6th. But we're going to have a big meetup on Saturday, February 5th. And I would love to get to know you all. This is a great time of year to escape down to Florida and just be a part of an event that's really full of celebration. And it's just such an uplifting weekend. We have so much fun every single year. 
uh, you all can go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code ANOTHER10 for 10% off any of their races. There's also a 5K that weekend. There's a fun kids run that Saturday as well. So many events for everybody in your family. And we're bringing all of our kids down there. So it'll be a really fun weekend. That's breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code ANOTHER10 for 10% off your registration. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so then talk about, I know we kind of like touched on the deciding to go to Mammoth and working with Andrew, Mm -hmm. but once you got out there and everything, what does everything look like? Well, it's a really beautiful place. And it's also really hard because we live at almost 8,000 feet. Um, crazy. And so, yeah, Dina always tells us, it doesn't get easier. You just get faster. <laughs> um, and it's true. <laughs> it's very it's very hard. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you know, the first few months of living here, I would verbally remind myself, you live here now. <laughs> like, and, like, I just – I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was living in this dream. Um, and – so at the time we had team condos and so I got to live with three other women on the team, but those were a donation from Mammoth Mountain and there's kind of a housing crisis in Mammoth. And so they had to take that donation back for employee housing mm. by the end of that first year here. And so when that happened, a lot of the girls who were living here had, um, had to leave and, you know, kind of moved on. Um, but I had kind of shown like, some signs. I'd shown myself some signs that I could really keep improving here, and wanted to do what I what I could to make that work. Um, so I started working at the after school program initially, and that was really helpful just to have like a little bit of income. And then eventually got my teaching job, which has really helped. So yeah, who were the girls that you lived with? It was Sandy Rains, Sarah Attar, and Margot Malone. Oh, cool. So are they all gone? Yes. So was that hard? Like you kind of build this community with these these women and like do you, does it feel lonely? Who's still on the team? Um, so for women right now, it's me, Dina, and then Karina. She she keeps teaching me how to say her name oh. in Afrikaans, but I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always feel bad too. I have like 200 students and I say their names all the time. But um, it's Bill Joan um, and I'm saying it incorrectly, but she just graduated from Arkansas and she's amazing. So um, yeah, so she just joined the team in August Um, and it, we really are lucky because we have women coming in and out. Mm. So there are, there are teams that come up for altitude training and, and we, we can hop in with them. And so, so that's, always really nice. Who are some of the teams that come up and you've been able to train with? Um, the Golden Coast Track Club is probably the biggest one. So like last fall, I really did almost all of my training with um, Emily Lapari mm-hmm. and Sarah Pagano okay. and Heidi C, which was really, really great. Um, and so Sarah Pagano's fiance is on our team. Oh, so she's okay. up here a good bit. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so is, I know like with COVID and everything, things probably got weird for a little while. But I also mm-hmm. know that like with Dina and Andrew, they have a very much like a family feeling environment. Do you do you get that from the team? And do you guys do dinners with them and things like that? 
Yeah, <laughs> they're very much a family. So, um, Piper is one of my students, actually. Really? So, um, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's Dina's daughter. Um, if anybody's doesn't know who yeah. that is. <laughs> um, but yeah, we I had dinner at their house last night, and um, he I think that's made the world a difference. COVID. COVID was really hard, but I also was able to go spend um, a good chunk of time with my fiance. Oh, nice. And yeah, and the casters, they truly are, I consider them um, like family. And so I've never regretted moving here or anything. There have been times where training, we have to kind of work it a little bit differently. Like last year, I really had most of my workouts in the spring was like trying to like <laughs> get into the guys workouts where I could which I think was pretty annoying for them at times <laughs> um but <laughs> I, you know like if they were doing 400s I might do 300s um or we might stagger it where I'd try not to get caught um those kind of things and so that that's always helpful too but um Karina being on the team has been really really nice oh I bet yeah, I feel like if you move far away from home, it's really important. And you can't just like find people, but you fell into it with choosing who your coach was. But like find a mm -hmm. mentor type or like just an older couple that's like older than you or a family that has that is older than you that you can kind of lean on as like a second, a second family, like a family away from your family. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been lucky too. So when we had that housing crisis or when we lost our housing, I posted something on like the buy, sell, trade Facebook page and a woman from my church reached out, um, who she's retired and, um, had a spare bedroom. And so I've lived Aww. with her for the past like two and a half years and she's, and I, I met her at church and she's really become like family to me as well. Wow. So, um, that's where you live now. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I think that's the nice part of a small town is that you kind of do find those those little family niches. And so I have a good niche at church and then at school and then through the team. So just a lot of a lot of support in the community. Um, what kind of church do you go to? A Catholic church. OK, cool. Um, OK, so let's talk about this past year of racing. Seventh place at the trials in the 1500. I mean, Talk about running that in a stacked field. And that's that field was no joke. <laughs> yeah, it was really stacked. Um, but it was exciting, too. You know, it was kind of a mix of girls who I raced against in college and then girls or uh, I should say women um, and then women who I idolized. So it was a pretty, pretty amazing experience. And so just being there for me was really special and making it to the final was my goal pretty much the whole year. So getting, getting to that was exciting. Yeah. And you ran a PR, right? I matched my PR down to the 10th of the second. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that probably felt like, did that feel like a really successful race for you? And I mean, obviously you made it to the final, so multiple races, but like, did you feel like I came here and accomplished what I needed to do? Yeah, I was probably the happiest seventh place finisher. I, I, was <laughs> I was really, I was really happy with it. Um, just because I've really struggled in college, especially when I would make it to nationals, make it to the final, just with anxiety. And um, I was definitely someone who would choke, and mm. so I really wanted to to kind of move past that. And just you know, for me, it wasn't. I thought. 
on a very amazing everything aligned, there's maybe a possibility I could make it. But that to me was, you know, a reaching goal. And so I was my biggest goal was really just to compete to my fitness level. And I think I, I did that. And the three rounds was really tough, I would say. I, I don't bet. know if some some people can handle that better, but I was that was really challenging for me, racing three times in a row hard. So remind us how many days apart were the races? Um so the first round was on the first day. The second round was on the second day and the third round was on the fourth day. So there it was a day, day of rest okay. in between the second and in between the second round and the third round, there's a day of rest. So, I mean, that's an experience thing too, right? Like this is, is this is your first time like doing those rounds like that and at like mm-hmm. the Olympic trials. So, you know, if you're competing, you know, say you have like a Jenny Simpson in, in the race, <laughs> it's like, oh, she's done that like, dozens upon dozens of times so you're totally. you're new to it totally what um like once you finished seventh there mm-hmm. what was like the next step for you like what were you like okay now we now I know where I'm at I know that like mm-hmm. on that good day I placed seventh I matched my PR now what are my goals you know, I have actually, I think it's still on my mirror. I never took it down. Aww. I just had Olympic trials. That was my goal. <laughs> and I had a couple of time goals that I needed to get to the trials. Yeah. And so I think really, I just wanted to get into some races and race well. Um, and that was kind of the fun thing about, you know, leading up to the trials, you're really concerned about time because you want to try and get the time to qualify for the trials. And then once I kind of had that time, it was like, oh, well, could I maybe hit the Olympic standard? And so really, you're so time focused. And so then after the trials, being able to focus more on racing and go to races that were fun and um, that kind of switching gears to to just writing out any fitness that we built and trying to earn some prize money. Those were kind of more of the goals. So um, you talked about not choking and like not having that anxiety for the finals and the Olympics. And earlier you also mentioned like there was a time when you needed to find the joy and running again. So um, mm-hmm. what transpired in your life that helped you in that department? I guess a lot of different things can play into it. I think my, the success I found in college was really scary for me. And so I kind of went from not having any pressure. Um, I'm just doing this for fun to all of a sudden making it to nationals and feeling like the weight of the world that I have to perform well there. And, um, I think, I think, you know, a big part of it was Dina's book was, was really helpful for me. And I've worked with a sports psychologist over the years and then just having just some really great mentors in the sport. Emily Lapari really jumps to mind. Um, she's someone who I've looked up to for a really long time and have gotten to know pretty well over the past few years. And I had a really, a really rough day. There was like some rains in February, maybe February or March, early March um, in Texas. And um, I just, I had ran like kind of a crappy 1500 and then um was supposed to pace, I think it was the 10K and I stepped off early for my pacing duties and I just felt like terrible. What am I doing with my life? And I remember Emily and Sarah, Emily Lapari and Sarah Pagano were leaving that day from the race too. And we were all kind of down. Like, I don't know if that, it wasn't a great race day. I don't know how many people left that day uh, with a great race, but um, 
we they we went out to dinner and um I just I just really felt supported by them and you know um Emily said something to me once that really stuck that was um you have to do it for you you can't really do it for anybody else and so that was something I thought about and I really love being a part of the sport and not wanting to give that up and kind of realizing like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to just do it for fun and for wanting to do it, not because I have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's putting on the hat of like, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. Yeah, for sure. Does your fiance still run? Um, Yes. So he does. He's been kind of struggling with injuries for the past couple of years. And I guess that's probably why I always, when people say anything about my job they're like oh it gets so great you can work and run I always look back at him because my work schedule is nothing compared to his um you know he has really long days and you know he just spent six weeks in the desert doing 12-hour work days and just really crazy crazy things and so um when he's healthy and able to train he he does really great and so it's just kind of a matter of trying to stay healthy for him at the moment what made him want to join the Marines? Is that in his family or was what, what's up with that? Um, yeah. So his, he does have a lot of military in his family and he went to the Naval Academy, which when you, when you go to the Naval Academy, you owe service. So, um, that, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal to get accepted. Yeah, Um, it is. Yeah. So that's, I think that's why. And, um, and he's, a pilot and my favorite picture of him is like him when he was like probably like three or four his dad's a um uh aircraft mechanic and so there's like a picture of lucas like in in a i think it's a plane or a helicopter or something but uh when he's like three or four but yeah so that's kind of how he got into it i am in awe of pilots i just like i cannot imagine having that job like I could just can't imagine doing it I have a girlfriend her and her husband are well they're in their res- they're in the reserves and now her- and she's like she's a stay-at-home mom now but her um her husband flies uh, he flies like commercial now but they flew in the military for years and I'm like I just I can't even wrap my head about around being that badass yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty amazing um I don't like to think about it too much yeah. when, when it's like he's flying at night and I'm going to bed Yeah, and yeah. I know he, he's flying the helicopter. Um, I think probably like one time when it really like hit me, like the weight of what he was doing was I was quizzing him flashcards. He had some kind of something going on and I was doing his flashcards and the, the one that got me and he was just, you know, rattling off these percentages and numbers I had no idea what it, he was talking about but um I was doing my duty and the one that came up it was th- uh three engine failure and he like he was like t- saying the procedure if there's a three engine failure I was like oh god like, you're like ah three <laughs> engines all three I don't I don't want to think about that um and so yeah it's really cool and all of his friends are a lot of his friends are pilots yeah, it's really amazing what they do. He works really hard and it's really amazing. But I also am not ready to get in a helicopter with him. I'm going to need four years of experience. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, you can tell him thank you for his service from all of us. Will do. Um, okay. So you were in Raleigh for the Sir Walter Mile and I was there and I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was a great event. Really exciting. And you PR'd 429 in the mile? Yes. Tell us about that. It seems like everybody loves that race. Oh, it was really fun. They, I had a great host and uh, Rita was my host from the Raleigh Distance Project and she was so great and just they had a really amazing field and being close to home was really nice. So overall, just a great experience. Oh, yeah. Did you get to go home? Yeah. So I spent um, probably about three weeks home in the summer going back and forth between races. Oh, nice. So, yeah, yeah. Like just races on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Raleigh and it just made more sense to stay home the whole time. Okay. So next nice. year for the Sir Walter, like I had literally just mm-hmm. moved here. I was here for like four days before the event, but everybody was oh my like, gosh. <laughs> you have to go to this event. It's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. But like, I didn't do any research on who would be there. And I was just kind of like there. I went to the athlete dinner. And then in the, the next day I came out to the race, I brought two of my kids with me and I just, you know, I just wasn't up to date as much as I should have been. So next year I'll like have the field. I'll like know who's going to be there and all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really stacked field and it I've was. never been in a race with the, you know, the crowd on the, on the track. Yeah. That was really crazy. So I'd kind of like, I'd got, I made my move way too early. And so I was really running out of steam in the last hundred, but it felt like some kind of dream. <laughs> the atmosphere is just crazy it was really exciting yeah so for people listening they let they let the fans everybody the people are in the stands and on the inside of the track and everybody kind of like run there's people on all all around the track and so yeah it's kind of crazy I feel like also kind of dangerous like you guys if you're in lane one and like people are leaning in from the infield you know what what if you had like a kid like run out I had two of my kids my big kids though so like I wasn't worried about that but I'm like god forbid someone have like their two-year-old and the two-year-old accidentally get loose and like run in front of one of you guys (laughs) totally (laughs) but yeah it's at night and the lights are on and yeah it's a really cool event and Do you, have you been to other races where they have host families like in the the city or do you usually just stay in a hotel? Um, that was my first time with a host family. So I know other races do it. Um, one was, that was cool was the Guardian Mile in Ohio. We stayed in a hostel, which was interesting. Um, so there was, I think there was maybe four or six women I was sharing like a bunk bed room with, which was fun. Um, but yeah, I really, I liked the host family. I thought it was nice. We might be a host family next year for Sir Walter. And I was like, how will that work? Because we have so many kids and also like <laughs> only a three bedroom house. But I decided like my, we'll just give whoever stays with us our bedroom. And like my, cause my husband and I, we can sleep on the couch. It's not a big deal. So I'm like, I guess that's what we'll do because otherwise it just wouldn't work in our house. Okay. <laughs> so I'll sleep in the living room so that an athlete can, <laughs> could stay at our house. It's very generous of you. <laughs> it's also the like, I wonder how many host families have lots of little kids because I feel like staying at our house would be mm-hmm. a completely different experience. It's very loud and lively here. <laughs> lots of I action. would enjoy that. I like the kids. But <laughs> okay. Well, perfect. You're a teacher. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So this year you also ran the Olympic standard in the 5,000, 15, what? Mm-hmm. Oh no, you almost made the Olympic standard. Did you make it? Mm-hmm. No, it's fifteen ten. And you were fifteen twelve. Yes. Yeah. So how does that make you feel? Like, does that make you excited to kind of like move up and do more 5Ks? Or are you still sticking 
hard to the 15? Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, the 15 is more fun, I think, Yeah, <laughs> but 5k still feels really long to yeah. me, but I think, um, you know, it was a huge improvement. I technically my PR before this year, I think was 17. Oh, that's 12 or something like that. So you knew so, like, no matter what, you were going to smash that. Yeah. So I, I ran, um, a 5k last, like last September. And then I just kind of ran a few more throughout the year and knew I had a lot more, a lot more room to grow in the 5k. So I was never expecting to, I really never thought I could run the trial standard in the 5k. That was really surprising for me. And so then being so close to the Olympic standard, um, you know, I guess then that was kind of, I was, about a second away from less than a second away in the 15 and then two seconds away in the 5k. So, you know, I guess when you like think about it in one way, I was like, Oh, well, it's a lot less seconds per lap. If I do the 5k that I have to cut off, but also, you know, I think conditions like 5k conditions need to be like a little better. You know, I had, I ran it at one of those sound running races where it was like set up perfectly. Mm -hmm. The weather was perfect. Whereas a 15, I feel like you can kind of do the same thing in different conditions. Like you can suffer through um, the heat a little bit more. I don't even feel like you feel the heat. Like the race is over before you get hot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like warming up was the hardest part, like wearing an ice vest or something. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, the 15 just so fast. Like um, I guess in one sense, I do think my I have a lot more room to grow in strength versus speed. Like at this point in the game in order to make a team or anything like that you really need to be able to run sub 60 for the last 400 of a of a 15 which I have not quite mastered yet so um yeah and then the 5k too you regardless you need to be able to close fast and so really just just working on that so so what will you and Andrew like what kind of concoction will you guys come up with to work on that not really changing anything you know I think the nice part about living at altitude is regardless of what you're doing, you're working on your strength. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard. Um, so I've really had to focus especially on sustained efforts. Tempos have never been my favorite, but really working on tempo work and in terms of speed work, um, doing some more stuff in the gym. We have a really amazing physical therapist who we work with who does all of our strength training and So I think a lot of that strength really transfers over to speed on the track. But um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of regardless of what your goal is, you just show up to practice and you try and be a little bit better than you were the week before or the year before. So what's your favorite thing about working with Andrew, your coach? That's hard. He's, He's great. I think probably my favorite thing is I've never doubted that he cared about me first and foremost as a person. Mm before an athlete and he's always kept my best interests at heart and is really um, willing to go in above and beyond to make sure I'm taken care of and um, has never, you know, put an insane amount of pressure on me. I think that was like the first race I ran with him there. It was club cross in 2018, I guess. And I really wanted to make the team that they were sending to Scotland because I've never been out of the country. And that was like my only goal. But, um, and I remember before the race, I was like expecting like this pep talk or something or like some great race advice. And he'd never been in my races before. 
And he, we like are getting ready to the line. I'm like, he hasn't said anything about the race. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, do we, is there a plan? And like, we're going to the, and he hits me on the shoulder and he goes, all right, be tough. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, uh, so then in the race, I was like, okay, just be tough. <laughs> and so yeah, he's, um, he's great. But I would say, yeah, just his, his whole demeanor and really caring about you as a person is my favorite part. I love that. That's so good. Be tough. I'm just going to start saying that to everybody before they, before any race. <laughs> be tough. I mean, <laughs> what it boils down to is that's what you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think that kind of like both Andrew and Dina, their mindset around racing, it's different than ways that I thought about it before. Like Dina, what she normally says before a race is always something along the lines of make today a day you're proud of Mm. and it really puts you in control you know and it's kind of like thinking like okay what do I need to do to make myself proud and ultimately you know what that comes down to is really giving your all throughout the entire race and when you're and it's that whole idea of being process oriented instead of goal oriented goal goal oriented and so you know I think in the sports world and in the education world growth mindset is something that is really big right now. You know, like I, I read, I think my sports psychologist in college um, recommended Carol Dweck's mindset book to me and it really stuck with me, but also it was amazing. I was felt like I was quoting it in all of my papers for um, education and, and in my master's papers, I was like, this is so amazing. But then you really have to think about like, what does that mean? <laughs> and, um, and actually applying it is something different than, you know, just throwing around those buzzwords of growth mindset and it's those day-to-day ways of applying it and really honoring like, okay, like I'm going to focus truly on how I'm doing this, not what the outcome is. So that's really great. I love that so much. And also like make today a day you're proud of. It's like, I, as you were saying that, I was like, just thinking about that with my day right now. I was like, okay, what am I going to do today that I'm proud of? You know, like, because you can just get so lost in a workout, in a race, in everyday life and just like the wheels turning, you know? And so if you really like put that in your head every day, like, what am I going to do today that will be something I can be proud of? I think that we could all live much fuller lives. I, I really agree. And it's sometimes you need something to break that cycle of negativity or what was me kind of days, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say like we shouldn't all have a day where we like watch Netflix and like just give ourselves a day to like relax and and not be like focused on moving forward or whatever. But I mean, like you don't want that to be the majority of your days. Like you want to do things that make you proud, make your family proud. And so, okay, everybody go pick something that's going to make you proud today and just do it. Even if it's like a five minute thing. Okay. That's the motivation for this, from this conversation. (laughs) I Uh, love that. (laughs) It's really good. Okay. Well, Grace, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Never been camping and I really want to go camping. So I guess that's my, really (laughs) my personal one. Yeah. (laughs) So that's surprising uh, to me. Yeah, I, you know, I maybe in my backyard, we we would like set up a tent, but I don't even know if I ever spent the entire night out there. 
but um yeah so i really would love to go camping soon okay get that done before the wedding yes <laughs> well we're registering for some camping gear so we might have to wait but <laughs> nice nice we actually we just bought a tent for the first time we're not big campers but my husband went camping with my older two boys recently and I'm like oh I guess we'll go all out get the tent get all you know get all the stuff I just I prefer a bed I prefer to be in my house <laughs> if I can choose you know after my first time camping, I might have a different perspective. Yep. But at the moment, the idea of it is really enticing. And I went on some really long um, hikes this summer. Um, me and my fiance did one 16-mile hike, which I had previously done as a run with Dina. But walking it takes a lot longer, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there was so many people that were backpacking it. And I did think I was like, wow, it'd be so amazing to sleep here. Like at this lake, it'd be so cool. So I think that's it. (laughs) Gonna do it. Okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh, that's a good one. I read that last summer. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Have you read any of her other books? Taylor Jenkins read? No. Have you? I have read them all. (laughs) Oh, they're should all I, good. Should I invest? Okay. What's the next best one? What'd oh, you say? definitely Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, great. My dog's name is Daisy. Yeah. Do Daisy so, Jones and the Six. <laughs> yes. And then after you read that one, do Malibu Rising. Okay. Because Daisy Jones and the Six. I'll write that down. Malibu Rising is the most recent Taylor Jenkins read book. And um, – she pulls characters from Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones into Malibu Rising. Oh, so it's very cool. super interesting. Like it's like, um, yeah, it's just like the characters from those two books are just like kind of side characters or like, you know, little pieces. She just kind of pulls them all together, but it's a totally different story. So it's really good. And then she has like uh, her first few books that she wrote and those are fine but these three, Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones, and Malibu Rising are by far her best. Very cool. Yeah, it was amazing. I love the book. Yeah, so, so good. Um, okay, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Well, at the moment, it's Taylor Swift time. Oh, so. yeah. Totally Taylor Swift time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, she's been, you know, one of my favorites for the longest time. Yeah. And now, at this point... Um, with red re-released I really would just love to have some coffee with her (laughs) see I got I gotta really listen to red because I'm a big Taylor fan that was definitely not one of my favorite albums of hers really yeah I don't I don't know why but like I just went on a run with my friend Jess yesterday and she said she listened to the entire re-release on her long run that had marathon pace in it the other day. And I was like, dang, that's some big commitment to that album to like, you know, just I listen to that. Love, I love listening to that album on a run. But also I think that was my first concert was that, was that concert red. Yeah. So I think it was that one. I, my first two concerts were Taylor Swift concerts. I've never been so, to one. <laughs> um, I really recommend it. She's an amazing performer, but also I love red. Um, even before All Too Well had its moment, I remember uh-huh. there was like one time I was driving from Polly's Island to Clemson, which is like a five hour drive. And I listened to All Too Well for probably two hours straight. Just that just song. Just that so, song. <laughs> just that song. Were you going was, through a breakup? 
no <laughs> i didn't really date <laughs> i just love the song yeah there's just great emotion in the song <laughs> yeah isn't that funny though like sometimes you listen to songs like that i'm like i've been married for 13 years like there's no like breakups in my life or anything like that but like there is some like emotional connection it's weird oh totally I, yeah i've never had a dramatic love life but i love i love listening to it so. yeah um i did you like love folklore and evermore Yes. Okay. But there were there were songs I loved and songs I didn't love. Yeah. But overall, yes, I did, and I was really excited because you know there they were curveball. It was a surprise. Everyone loves a surprise. Oh, <laughs> it was like it was amazing, and it was like at a time where we all needed it. It was so I was so dramatic when the second one released. So when Evermore came out, this is so embarrassing. I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like, I think I was like hormonal about to start my period or something. And like, I don't know, I just sad about who knows what. And um, I, I was like, oh my gosh. And it's out right now. Like literally we can listen to it right now. And I started crying. It's amazing. Honestly, I don't blame you. I'm a crier. I I really believe better out than in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, my older sister was like, an original Taylor Swift fan. Okay. Like she saw her at this little house of blues in Myrtle Beach. Oh, that's so cool. So like so her cool. very first album. And I'm really, everything my sister does, I'm like her little shadow. I think she has like the best taste in everything from clothes to movies to shows. And so um, I definitely got into it because of her or got into Taylor Swift because of her. But um yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm uh, a Swifty for sure. <laughs> okay, I'm going to – I have another interview at noon. And so in between this one and that one, I'm going to put on Red, the new Red. Well, you can listen to the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Yes. If you have 10 minutes. It's, you know, it's an emotional – it's the ride. <laughs> I, li- I watched it on SNL. I had to see what the hype was about. Oh, did it, did they have the – the music video with it? Yes. And she, it's in the background and she's singing and she does the entire 10 minutes on SNL. It's pretty good. So you have to go watch that. Um, cool. Okay. What's your last message to leave with the audience today? Um, make today a great day and do something that makes you happy and somebody else happy. I love that. That's so wonderful. I said to my kids today, my big kids going to school, I said, um, I said, hey, do something unexpectedly nice for someone at school today. Right? You know, like I always do the whole spiel, like be kind, all those things. Like you, yeah. it's like robotic. You say those things. But I was like, do something unexpectedly kind for someone at school today. And Lewis, my six-year-old, he's like, I'm always kind. <laughs> I like, I like, oh my God. Just like so. And I'm like, no, but like do something like over the top, like dramatically kind. And, they, you know, it just kind of goes over his head. But I'm constantly oh trying to gosh. figure out ways to feed that kind of stuff to them and I don't know. It's Honestly, I, I could talk to you all for like five hours about just funny things the kids say. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, you're right there in the age. My oldest is in third grade and my my second is in first grade. So you're, okay. you're right there in like, you know. I love, I love that age. I think right now, I don't know what my favorite grade is right now, but – I guess it just depends, but the kids, they crack me up. Yesterday was the funniest because when I was gone for the two days for um, New York, I was, I left and yes, it was like two days ago, a girl comes up to me and said, so Miss Barnett, why weren't you here last week? And I was like, oh, I, I had a race. 
And she goes, oh, okay. We thought you got married. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, so when's the wedding? And I told them and they, and they were asking me about like my new last name. And I told them and Lucas's last name is Stallnaker. And I was like, well, what do you guys think? I was like, I think I like Barnett better than Stallnaker. And they were like, yeah, we do too. But then the one girl goes, well, but your last name is going to be Stallnaker. And you're the STEM teacher. Uh, so actually, I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like the things they come up with. Putting it all are together. so cute. <laughs> oh, and I always wish I could be a fly on the wall and like see how my kids are like actually acting and interacting and ra- who's raising their hand and, you know, all that stuff. It's fun. Yeah. And it, it is cute seeing like how they act differently in school versus out of school mm-hmm. and kind of seeing them in those different contexts. We do like a summer camp with the kids um, for the Mammoth Track Club. And so some of my students who are mm. there, I think they're totally different, like out of the track than they are in the classroom. Oh, so, I bet. Yeah, it's cute. The uh, different, different situations. Well, Grace, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. And congratulations again with the New York City 5K. Thank you so much for having me. Well, have a great rest of your day. And um, tell Dina Thank I said you. Hi. I will. Bye. Okay. Bye, Grace. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Again, go follow Grace on Instagram to learn more about what she's up to and what she's got going on. She is GracieB53 over there. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine, 626. Follow our network, this podcast network. It's called Sandy Boy Productions. We've got a few shows in the network that we'd love to have you check out. You can follow Sandy Boy on Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions, or you can just check it out, sandyboyproductions.com. Go grab yourself a pair of Gooder shades, gooder.com slash another. Use the code another15 for 15% off your order. We would love to see you at the Donna Marathon weekend, the weekend of February 5th and 6th. I cannot wait for that weekend. It'll be so great to be back and run the half marathon to support the Donna Foundation. The code Lindsay10 will get you 10% off any of the registrations. Uh, we're having a meetup outside on Saturday the 5th and then Saturday the 6th, I'm running the half marathon. There is a marathon option. There's a 5k option on that Saturday. There's a kids run on that Saturday. We're bringing our kids. Would love to see you there. Go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10 and get in on that. Friends, I'm grateful for you. I'm so thankful you're here. Don't forget I do have a parenting podcast. Well, a podcast for parents, I should say. I do not give parenting advice. I seek advice from other parents that I talk to though and experts. Uh, That's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? I'm sure you've said that before if you're a parent, right? I know I say that multiple times a day. Anyway, thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your Friday, a wonderful weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.